It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the CUT Startup Podcast. We have another episode here, and this is going to be one of our roundtables uh, where we get all the hosts together uh, and so forth. Um, and it's also kind of the, the um, you can probably hear my, uh, you know, working at home. We're going to get into that kind of stuff in a minute. I think you may hear my son in the background playing. But we are also here to welcome uh, another guest host to our uh, our team, uh, somebody that has been around the the block here, and somebody who has put their uh, you know has been in the ecosystem, and that person is Ojala Naim. Ojala, how you doing today? Doing well. Good to be back. Good to virtually see all your faces, and excited to have my. Uh voice mixed in. Hopefully I can stir up some more trouble again on the CT Startup Podcast. <laughs> you uh, you always do. And uh, to uh, Actually, stir trouble up with, we have Dave and Chris here as well. So uh, Eric, I have, a, I have a point of order. I, I think Ojala from an old podcast still owes us a, a sample of her beatboxing skills. Oh. I definitely remember Dave. that. And yes, 100%. And you've had a year Dave, to practice. I am a I am I am now Ojala Naim Corporate America. I don't know if I could be putting out my beatboxing skills. No, I'm just kidding. I'd be more than glad to do it now, more so than before. I was going to say that maybe we need to uh, save that for like a special episode. We'll put it on a Patreon or something. <laughs> 
I have no words. I have no yeah. Words. Well, well, you know, I, I, honestly, Chris, we were going to be redoing the intro and everything like that. We'll we'll loop in her uh, beatboxing. How about that? Oh, we'll, fantastic! We'll... Who needs stock music? Yeah, exactly. When we have beatboxing. <laughs> No pressure, so, no pressure. Yeah. So I guess to kind of start it off, I mean, we're right now we're recording this. We are, um, you know, I was going to say mid-April. We're not even at tax day yet. We're, you know, beginning of April. You know, things are kind of reopening. I think uh, most of us have gotten a shot or one of them at least. Um, so uh, so how is everybody feeling about kind of the the reopening of, of uh, the, the world at this point? <laughs> I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I've been ready. Like I'm an extra extrovert. Not having the world open has just been the worst thing ever. Um, you know, but I've definitely noticed, you know, I was in downtown Hartford today getting my shot and it's like, oh, wow, people are out. People, people are still wearing masks. People are still practicing social distancing for the most part, but it does feel like things are picking up, like people are getting back to normal. And uh, I, for one, cannot wait to be in a crowd of thousands of smelly people again, just going. So, you know, for me, this is this is it's been a long year, but uh, on the business side of things, too, you know, as a marketing professional, I'm noticing a lot more people are like, hey, we're back. We need to get the word out. You know, we need to let people know that we're back. And um, it seems like things are picking up in a lot of ways. Chris, I'm not sure I'm ready for the tens of thousands of people, but if you are, you should uh, head over to uh, the Rangers baseball stadium in Texas. Cause uh, what I saw from opening day was uh, made me kind of yeah. skin crawl a little. I was like, Oh my God, so many people like, what well, I'm is almost this? there. I'm almost there. Let me put it like that. I got my first shot. I need to get my second shot. Once I got that second shot, I'll feel a lot more cool about it. I definitely feel comfortable. It's just going to be weird, right? Like after spending a whole year, I was just talking to our friend earlier today and I haven't, last we saw each other was December of 2019. It does feel like yesterday, but also we're in 2021. And I was like, oh my God, like we've had so much time pass without like massive gatherings that I'm pretty sure the next time I'm around a lot of people, I'll probably have a little bit of a panic attack. Not because I'm worried, you know, especially after being vaccinated, but probably just because I'm like, oh my God, people, like, what do I, what do I do? Yeah, I'm a little bit of the opposite of Chris in some ways. I mean, I'm a natural (laughs) introvert and I also like not having a commute. And so I'm sort of one of those people who has been thinking, can they make me come back? And then I got more belligerent (laughs) about it. And I was like, come at me, bro. And, uh, you know, so far, you know, we've talked about reopening the office and and I, I do see myself going back, but I don't think I'll ever go back full time. I, yeah. I see myself working from home, uh, you know, a little bit more often than I used to. That feels like that's a consensus. I'm, uh, I joke around that uh, after I left Reset, I went to the dark side uh, in corporate America. Um, but it's 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 the best dark side I've ever seen. Um, so at Travelers, I mean, I, that's a lot of the, the conversations I have with my colleagues is I don't think anyone actually wants to go back five days a week. But they, you know, we all miss like just seeing someone in the hallway and having our random conversations and not needing to schedule a Zoom call just to say, hey, what's up? What's going on? How are you doing? Um, so I, I think some balance will be pretty nice. Yeah. And I think, well, I think also what happened was that people just realized that you don't lose the productivity. There's, there's other, you know, there's, there's uh, bad sides to always, you know, kind of being on and so forth, but people can still work from home, uh, you know, a few days a week and, you know, come in for those uh, kind of those brainstorm sessions. I will have to say, I'm definitely craving like a good whiteboard session and, you know, be in the room and kind of get people kind of amped and kind of that energy. But other than that, 
for the most part, I don't need to be in and around people um, uh, and so forth. So I, God, uh, I miss people. I miss people so bad. <laughs> no, I, I, really, did, I mean, I, I definitely miss them. And the thing is, I guess I've still been around people uh, this time. I mean, I still had to go to schools and you know, I, I will have to say is that from a business perspective, I think a lot of people, their business assumptions changed or they're trying to rethink their uh, something, you know, the way they're going about business. I, Chris, I agree that there's people are, it's like kind of, they're, they're ready to come back or they're, they're kind of roaring to come back. I've even talked to some restaurateurs that are like, I may, you know, I may be interested in doing something else or doing another location. And so it's, it's, it's I was like, that, that was surprising to me. And also, um, so again, uh, when it comes to people uh, changing the way they, they approach their work, 100%, some things are going to change. But I, again, I don't think anybody really wants to be on this many Zoom calls. So like, that's not yeah. going to stick around, right? Yeah. It's you know, all Dave's, about the evolving model. <laughs> well, Dave was making fun of, of my headphones and I'm just like, I need good headphones now. You know, I don't care if they have lights, they're cool. The lights are cool. <laughs> well, I got to say, I mean, I tend to think that video Chris is the right amount of Chris, you know, like in-person Chris can be a lot. No Chris can be a little too little. You know, we might have found the Goldilocks of Chris. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's actually, it's actually a really interesting point though, because, you know, some people you want to see more of, some people you don't necessarily need to see that much of, right? And, you know, for me, I've, most of my working life has been working from home and I've had offices. And, you know, if you remember like a year ago, I was going to be opening a whole office space and, you know, co-working space. And that just didn't happen, right? Because COVID. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because for me, I've realized, you know, how out of balance my life became because I can work from home all the time. And I think a lot of people can, but when you also don't have that option to then go out and go out to the bar, go out and meet friends, go out and sit down for a nice dinner and not have it feel a little like, yeah, sketchy. You know, that's where this, again, this work-life balance comes from. And I think for a lot of people who had to go in to an office five days a week, they're realizing how much better the balance can be for them. Right. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can do my job and also, you know, be home with my dog or my kids all day. Or, you know, I can get things done on my lunch break, like doing the laundry instead of sitting there for half an hour because it's mandated that I have to take a half an hour lunch break. So, you know, I think if anything, what we've seen is like a lot of people are reevaluating what the work life balance should be. I think it's a change of models across the board. Right. It's it's the change of the, the business model for the. 40 hour a week employee, or for most of us, that 40 is actually probably 80 or for Dave, it's probably, I don't know how many we, how many hours in a week, Dave? <laughs> That's probably his work week, right? Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, definitely longer hours in some ways, but then you're saving on the commute time. So you're like, all right, it all adds up. But I think business models in general, it's just been so fascinating to see like what has worked well during COVID, like the things that you thought might not do so well are doing better. And, and it, I think what it's really pushing people to do is think about what is it at the end of the day that consumers want, right? Regardless of what industry you're in, what you're selling, what is it that your consumer wants and how can you make sure you're selling it so they come regardless of pandemic, regardless of what um, the world looks like. I know in this po- in, in in later podcasts, as we highlight some of the stuff happening in Hartford, we'll be talking a lot about food. And the food industry in Hartford has been really interesting. I've seen some restaurants that have been like, you know, just staples in the community that unfortunately had to either cut down entirely and, and shut down or um, limited their service. I've seen others scale up and just have rapid expansion. I think, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the place to be, 
started uh, in Hartford in the South End. It's an amazing brunch spot. It's basically like every Instagrammer's like dream. They do the coolest like brunch foods and milkshakes and they have like cocktails that are served in like miniature bathtubs with rubber duckies floating in them and like really, really great stuff. Um, and it's been around for years and years. Um, and, and it's kind of been this like nice hidden gem and then got more popular as people started taking more pictures there. And um, in the last year, they have opened up two new locations, one in downtown Hartford where Spectra used to be. Uh, and then they're w opening up the second one in um, West Hartford Center or, or Bishop's Corner. One of, mm, West Hartford Center, that one. Um, and, and that's incredible, right? During, during a pandemic, when people are not going out to eat, they figured something out. They figured out how to manage a pandemic. They figured out how to make things safe. And they figured something out about their business model where they're one of the few restaurants I'm hearing about that's like, we open more places during the pandemic. Um, so it's, it's really, to me, like the businesses that have been successful during the pandemic are the ones that have said, okay, great. Like the world is changing. What our customers want is changing. How do we shift ourselves to really serve them, right? Um, that's, that's where the success has come. No, I was going to say, so Dave, you, I know you've mentioned uh, on our uh, first kind of podcast coming back is that you've been seeing a lot more business entities forming and people kind of hopping back into kind of like the, the field. And Ojal, you had mentioned that your, uh, your mother took the dive and, and wants to, to feel the pain of entrepreneurship, uh, even maybe on a small scale. Um, so, uh, so I guess uh, kind of uh, Dave and then Ojal, I'd love to hear kind of like how your mom, you know, uh, kind of uh, hopped into it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, talk about like, who are you seeing again now? Are people still opening up more businesses or is it still slowing down or what? Yeah. So there's a, I mean, there's a growth cycle to entrepreneurship and we're definitely seeing a ton of them right now. Uh, a lot out of universities, a lot of people who left jobs to decide that now is the time to pursue an idea. The problem is that it's not, you know, it's not an instant business, like say a restaurant where it's just where one day it opens and then it's open. You know, an entrepreneur, a lot of them are developing ideas and they're, they're at the beginning of a year long or multi year long cycle before they can get those ideas to a market or, or to whatever the next stage is to financing, et cetera. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's great. I mean, I'm still seeing a lot of companies. I'm seeing a lot of activity. Um, I've, uh, you know, actually, I, I've been interested in a few new companies that I hope to discuss further on the podcast at some point. I, don't have permission to talk about them now, but I think that they're really exciting and, and really cool for, for the area. And so it's really, um, you know, it's, it's a great time for that. And, and I think, you know, with, with summer coming, the weather getting better, everybody's more excited generally. And so and they have more energy and they can't wait to get out of the house and do stuff. And so, I mean, this is good. This is always one of my favorite times of year. I think that uh, this year is probably especially more so. Well, and you know, uh, one thing I, you know, uh, just to piggyback off of that, one of my friends started a bagel business of all things up in Boston. He, he was a, a chef for Circus Soleil. So he was a traveling chef for a production company. And, you know, basically they told him you're out of a job and we're not even buying your ticket home. You know, like you're on your own. Like he was in San Diego. He lives in Boston. And he was like, I don't know what the hell to do. I can't go. You know, I'm a, I'm a chef. I can't just go get another job at a restaurant because nobody's hiring. So, you know, he collected unemployment. He's living at home and he's just like bored. He just starts making bagels. And all of a sudden people are like, I would like to buy some bagels from you. And now, you know, his business has gone from, you know, just slinging a few bagels here and there. It's like, it's a full-time job for him. And he's really, he's looking up at opening up a shop and it really just, because, you know, 
take out food is one of those few things that could still be done. And he just happens to like bagels and does them well. And it wasn't even necessarily this whole concept of I'm going to start a business. It was just like, I'm bored. I need to do something. Oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, someone wants to pay me for this. And, you know, I think a lot of business, not certainly not all of them, but a lot of businesses, you know, new ones kind of were born out of this. I got nothing better to do. So I should do something with my time and maybe someone will pay me money for it. And, and, you know, and Chris, I think you made a really good subtle point there that people might not catch, but it's not just the fact they had the time. It's the fact that they had the money. Yes. It's, it's yep. the fact that they got the unemployment checks with the extra bit of cash that gave them the space to develop the new idea and something. I'm, I'm just seeing that a lot, which is why I'm highlighting it, which is, which is people have said to me, yeah, I got laid off from my job and I was going to explore this idea, but you know, with the extra government funds, I had a little bit of extra space, a little bit of extra time to develop that, that next project. Um, and I think that's a really good, that is a really good point there, Dave, because you know, a lot of people, also, you know, think yeah, the rent more rent and mortgage moratoriums, right? People are getting, you know, especially at the beginning, they're getting six hundred dollars a week from unemployment. So whatever they were due plus an extra six hundred dollars, you know, for a lot of people, all of a sudden, your all your bills went away for a few months, and you're getting, you know, extra money on top of it. And again, that certainly isn't true for everybody, but for a lot of people all of a sudden they had money and you couldn't even go out and spend it. You know, for me, I go to festivals, I'll spend two, three grand at a festival. I haven't been able to go to a festival in a year and a half. I have money just sitting there all confused. Like, what do I do? Those are good points. I, I do think, you know, that's part of why it was a stimulus, right? It's like, you want to make sure that there's money floating in the economy, that not everything is just uh, at a standstill. And when people have money, they're going to want to spend it, right? It's hard to say, oh, I'm just going to save every penny and not do anything with it. I mean, I know I've been, my online shopping habits the first six months of the pandemic were absolutely insane. Um, I think I had more boxes in my apartment than I had stuff to put boxes in at some point. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, six months, nine months down the road, as some of those rent moratoriums go away, like, it's not that like all that, you know, time that people didn't pay rent is just going to go away. They're going to owe that. They're going to need to figure out how to pay it. Um, I think, you know, the going back to work and, and just stimulus in general will be less, um, I guess, fruitful as it might have been in earlier on. So I think we're going to see some pretty um, significant impacts, especially when it comes to housing. Like I think housing is it's a, it's a scary place right now. Um, you're going to see a lot of foreclosures hit the market pretty rapidly. You're going to see a lot of challenges with lawsuits on, you know, back pay, like rent that hasn't been paid and all that. So that'll be interesting. But I, I, going back to your point, Chris, like, you know, people didn't have anything to do. So they, they decided, all right, let's figure something out and do something with our, with our time. It's a, it's a little bit of, of how my mom started her business. Um, you know, she's, uh, she's always had a really great eye for Pakistani South Asian fashion uh, when I got married and had my, you know, what felt like a month long wedding, um, none of my attires for that would have been doable or possible without her um, making the trip to Pakistan with me and helping me, you know, find the right type of outfit for every occasion. And she just always really enjoyed doing it. So she's like, hey, you know what? It's really hard to buy clothes here in Connecticut or just in the United States in general. You can't go to Walmart and buy a dress. You can't go to Macy's and buy a dress. It doesn't matter what place you're going. You can't go and buy a South Asian dress. Um, there's like hubs of area. You could go to New York, you could go to New Jersey, you could go to Toronto. Um, 
And so she said, maybe I'll start some sort of business, at least locally, where I have stock and people here can start looking at it and let's test it out. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if there's demand for it. Um, and, and she had the time. She's at home. And not only was she at home, my 16-year-old sister was at home uh, doing school remote and being a, you know, true to Gen Z fashion um, on TikTok, on Instagram, on all the kind of cool things. Uh, she's been managing all the social media stuff for my mom. So, which I think is great experience for her, right? Like at 16, trying to understand like how a business works. How do you do promotions? Like she just yesterday was talking to some famous influencer and, and was like setting up a, a deal to say, Hey, do you want to promote my mom's brand? And like, you know, we'll, we'll send you something. And, um, that's pretty incredible. And so I think she's had some extra, extra hands on deck to help her really get that business online, which is something that she maybe would have struggled with on her own. Um, especially if my sister had not been home or had that time. Um, but it, it, I think that did come from a, yep, there's a need, there's a demand for it, but also you've got time and you might as well try something new while you're sitting at home. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what my mom would have done. I mean, like it gets boring, right? Sitting at home, you kind of run out of shows. I know that my parents binge watched something that was like, it was like some series that was 10 seasons long and like, like 40 episodes a season or something. And like, you know, spent a month binge watching and said, all right, what's next? So, so I think there's just, there's just a lot uh, of energy and I'm really glad my mom and sister were able to put it in a, in a positive direction. And I think we've seen a lot of businesses, like I'm hearing every day about new interesting ideas popping up um, again, trying to fill a need that existed during the pandemic and I'm really curious to see how they're going to grow post-pandemic or whatever the post-pandemic world ever looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think a lot of people reevaluated just like what they were doing. I mean, I know at the beginning of this pandemic, I know people, and I said, I think I said this before uh, on one of the podcasts, that everybody from like an hourly worker up to a CEO of a company or, you know, president of a company that was, you know, for a private equity firm was laid off, right? Every kind of swath of type of people were, were laid off. And there's people that are, um, you know, reevaluating what they want to do. So even if they can only make half of what they made at the office, right, you know, on their own little gig, that's maybe better for them, right? So, so I think that that's, uh, um, you know, again, we're, we're going to see the trends of how it all settles out uh, in, in terms of uh, the stimulus and how it affected people and, you know, how many people are actually still kind of in the dark and, and we don't know what the true value or, or kind of the issues that uh, they're facing financially. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that uh, this is kind of real, uh, having people re reevaluate what they're doing for work and kind of like on, on that, that thread of work is that, I don't know about you, but I, I have a sense that there's a lot of hiring going on right now. There's a lot. It's like, you know, hiring is, is becoming even like harder to do um, people. And, and Ojala, you kind of mentioned that you, you just hired somebody from Texas and, you know, on your team. Right. So, you know, hiring practices are changes. So I guess Dave and, and John, I know from a corporate side, you, you're seeing something. And I know uh, I know Chris and I could probably talk about from like the the um, from the uh, kind of the startup side, but uh, kind of what are you guys seeing in kind of from the hiring standpoint of things? All me, Dave. All right. Um, it's, it's interesting, right? So putting, putting a Connecticut lens on it. Um, Connecticut has always been situated as a state where you've got talent because you've got certain industries here, right? You've, you've got the insurance industries up in the Hartford area. You've got the manufacturing and aerospace, which we're seeing some of that, you know, run away, but, but still very strong in, in the Hartford area. You go down south, you've got some financial services as, as big hubs. And, you know, the tech companies are scattered about. They're where, where their customers are. 
And that's what has traditionally kept the talent in the area. Um, Connecticut's always struggled to retain talent because they've always been like, well, our talent wants to go work for all these cool startups. So they're going to go to Boston. They're going to go to New York City. They're going to go to Silicon Valley. The shift we're seeing now is no one needs to be in person. So you can literally work from anywhere you want. I've know people who are literally traveling the world, spending a month in a different place because they can work remotely and they have, they literally do not own a property. They don't rent a property. It's just travel as you go. Um, and then there's other people that are saying, I don't, I, like so many of my friends in New York city, cause I went to undergrad, they're like, I don't want to live in the city anymore. Like this is terrible. When a lockdown happens, I literally can't go anywhere. It's also just very scary being that close proximity to so many people. And so you've seen the like move into places like Connecticut, like the Connecticut housing market is out of control. Nothing stays on the market for more than a couple of days. Just went through a house hunting process myself and it was chaos and madness and scary, but like that's, that's the world we're in right now. So I think this is a good opportunity for Connecticut to be able to bring people in, right? Not necessarily talent, but people into Connecticut because they can live here and work anywhere else. The flip side of that is you can live anywhere and work anywhere, right? And so from a, from a corporate perspective, um, while we have the ability to say, hey, it's easier because we can work remotely to hire someone from the West Coast or from Texas or from wherever really in the world, um, at the same time, we're now competing, right? Even the talent we have in Connecticut could potentially go work for a New York company or a Boston company or a Silicon Valley company. So this is a great opportunity for the state to really strengthen their their value proposition as to why people should come live here but i don't think it's it's tied to jobs anymore yeah i think everything ojala said is, is spot on and and just to give you a, like a, a specific example on our end uh, i mean listen the legal industry is the last industry to change for anything uh, I think most of the people with the legal industry watched Mad Men and they thought it was a historical documentary of what happened yesterday. I mean, it was, it's really, <clears throat> we, are, we are not uh, quick to adapt. And the law is always running 10, 20 years behind the times anyways. But already we're seeing law firms hire people um, from out of state. Uh, we've seen, we see uh, large firms in New York and Boston and uh, San Francisco and other major cities hiring attorneys you know, all across the country. And they say, listen, you can work from home and you, you work for us. And that's, that's a huge shift for our profession. I mean, we've all been super local. Um, and I, it makes you wonder what, first of all, how this affects the industry. I mean, are, are we always gonna be super local? Is it now everybody's gonna, are, is this gonna lead to more firm consolidation as everybody works for larger and larger firms? Um, what does it mean for, for you know, smaller services and so on. Also, is it uh, is this a, a trend? Is this is this going to be a permanent change in culture? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of attorneys I know worry about training for junior attorneys. Um, you know, is is it can it be something that you do remotely um, and do it effectively? Uh, and and you know, our, is our type of business culture changing um, in such a way we're all going to have to deal with it? And I think for at least a while, the answer is yes. And, and you know, I, I always applaud innovation. Uh, it's, it's part of my job and I applaud it in any industry. Um, <clears throat> it is a little bit unusual to see innovation in my industry. Um, and, uh, and everybody's, you know, trying to feel their way around it. And I can just, you, you can see it in other places too. I mean, 
I got to admit, you know, since I've been seeing this happening, I've had the thought of what, like, well, I could do this podcast from Hawaii and uh and i can live there and have a connecticut you know and have a connecticut firm. but uh you already live in mass like come on you're already you're already you're already, you're already not in connecticut dave this is called a ct startup <laughs> podcast when i, I found out about that it. i was like are you serious hold on what wow did chris put you up to this no. <laughs> but uh, actually i think that's that's you know one of the things i kind of you know i'm thinking about there is like okay what if Connecticut was to become, in a sense, the work from home state? You know, we have this big issue with infrastructure, right? It kind of sucks getting around Connecticut. It's getting better. They're doing construction and all that. But, I don't um, know, Chris. Have you been to LA? I, it takes me 45 minutes to get anywhere in Connecticut. I have so no sorry, problem getting get around from Connecticut. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I have not been oh, to LA, okay. but I've heard uh, stories. Christmas, Christmas, <laughs> Chris is definitely just trying to walk everywhere, and that's why he has a hard time. Because honestly, God, I I'm sick and tired of hearing the like you can't get anywhere in Connecticut. That is such BS. Like you clearly have not lived anywhere outside of Connecticut. Take a bus. You can't get around. Take, take a, a bus somewhere. Take, take a bus. A, take the fast. It takes two we got hours. fast track. It We've got fast track. Though. We've okay. got a great service on trains. Ubers are still it's a thing. It's getting better. It's getting better. Hundred thousand percent. Totally. But we don't have the public transportation system that we used to, for sure. We used to have a much Horses better public transportation. and carriages? Trolleys. <laughs> Hartford used to have trolleys everywhere, which is kind of cool. I thought, we let's say we bring back trolleys. And I think, you know what? You have a very good point. I'm not I'm not even going to argue too much on the point. You have a good you point. Even, right? You weren't even alive during all of that. How, how <laughs> I love trolleys. Better. I love trolleys. He, he, went to like a, he went to a trolley museum and was like, oh my in God, West we bring, we there's a trolley museum in West Haven. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know all about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like trains and well, trolleys. Well, first of all, we have we have we have an in- infrastructure bill coming. The fact we that do. the boring company is doing a million dollars a mile to do that kind of stuff, right? Like there's you know, give give it give it 10 15 years and we'll have all the you know all that stuff so but i i just like the idea though that like okay we're a lot of white collar workers certainly not all of them right but we live between these two huge massive world-class cities we're never going to have a world-class city of that scale here but it's cool that again you know i popped up to boston a couple weeks ago to see some friends just it's an hour and a half drive it's not bad and, you know, New York's two hours from central Connecticut. And, you know, my point is being here is, you know, we're changing, the, you know, the work culture is changing, you know, all that stuff. And now working from home is also, you know, a lot of companies didn't want to do it. They thought productive productivity would drop. And now Connecticut, all of a sudden, like we have a lot of really good Internet infrastructure. You know, that's one of the things mm-hmm. we do have and it's getting better. And if we could prove that, you know, this work from home kind of thing works. Now, all of a sudden, again, you know, suburbia, Connecticut, all this stuff comes a lot more attractive, which is why we're seeing housing prices go up, which is why we're seeing, you know, people leaving the cities to come here. You know, uh, I just see it as like Connecticut in a lot of ways has seems to have benefited from the pandemic, at least in a a business sense. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's to be seen. For a business sense, I think it's to be seen. Again, if we play our cards right and we can make the the right case for for living in Connecticut, right? In a post-pandemic world where people do not want to be near thousands of people. Maybe Chris doesn't. Chris, real estate in New York is getting real cheap. So if you you were looking. uh, (laughs) No, I'm still here. But but again, you know, I think you've got to, good case for a, a, a live work play balance in Connecticut, right? 
Um, I think the the narrow of like a large city and everything that comes with a large city in terms of the the partying and the nightlife and the restaurants and all that. We've got a decent amount of that building up here in Connecticut. Enough, right? It, 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 I don't think people need the, the crazy levels that you find in the New York cities and, and the Boston's and LA's. Um, but, but from a business sense, I don't know. I do worry, like large employers have more to compete on for talent now. Like as much as it's, you know, we can say, yep, we can hire from anywhere in the world. That's great, but so can everyone else, right? So like, again, we're going to see, and I think if we were to do some sort of survey, especially of uh, Connecticut's wonderful Gold Coast, um, we would see that majority of the people living from, you know, the second you enter into Connecticut all the way to like, I don't know, what's the tip, like post past Madison and stuff, you'll see most of those people are probably working in New York City. Like they're probably working for an employer. They, they traditionally have been, I think that's probably increased. And so what that means is you're not getting the business benefits, right? You're not getting the, the industry benefits. Those companies aren't headquartered in Connecticut. You're not getting the tax benefits. You're not getting the benefits of people going out. Like downtown Hartford is kind of scary right now. And I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what the future is going to look like. If all these companies say, you know what? You don't have to be in five days a week. You, don't, you, you only have to come in two days a week, right? And it's going to be alternating the two days for, for groups of different groups of people and, and different teams. Well, there's no foot traffic in downtown. So all of a sudden, all of those restaurants and those delis, like they're struggling. They can't make ends meet. And that's, that's what downtown is being built up on. So I yeah. think I, from a business perspective, I don't know. I'm not sold that this is going to be good. Just to, just to add on to what Ojala is saying, I, I mean, to be fair, and, and I don't want to go down this, this massive rabbit hole, but to be fair, who we're talking about benefiting is white collar workers. And, right. you know, Connecticut is already sort of a massively segregated state, right? There's, there's the city areas and then there's everywhere else. And now, now you're talking about letting, now you're talking about a state where if it were the work from home state, that leaves no room for development for anybody who's not a white collar worker, which is, mm -hmm. which is something that has to be addressed. I, I don't, again, it's just something that has to be worked out in, in when we think about the future of Connecticut. I mean, but, you know, again, if we're going to, you know, we, uh, yes, we still have a big manufacturing base here, but the manufacturers have learned to work, you know, they learned to work around it. No, and, they haven't. You, know, you don't think so? They've learned to work from home. No, no, they've learned to work around it, like the pandemic. Like they put, you know, they had to Yeah, do by going action. in. Yeah, I mean, but you can't, you're not going to be able to put, you know, a $500,000 CNC machine in someone's garage. There's just, yeah. you know, so they just have to do it. Um, you know, and again, my, what I was going to say here is, you know, we're largely a white collar state. If I, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if I were to guess, most people in Connecticut are white collar workers versus, you know, manu we have a manufacturing base to be sure. But I don't you know, think so. Go get him, Ojala. Don't let him say that. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Listen, Ojala. I, 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 I think you are incredibly wrong. Um, Controversy sells. Beauty is of being virtual. I'm going to Google this right now. Connecticut. Yes. White collar versus yeah. So so while Ojel is doing that, I will have to say, talking to um, blue collar, you know, uh, fencing companies, construction companies, uh, electricians, plumbers, all this stuff, they are uh, struggling to keep to to keep up with demand. They are struggling to have the labor force. 
talking to restaurateurs, talking to restaurants that are doing well, they're struggling to get people in the door to work. Right there. So it's like, I don't know, like, like it seems to be the people that are looking at $20 an hour work or, you know, the kind of that lower end work or kind of the manual labor type work, they're struggling to, to get people to. And and so it's, it's just, it's interesting. I don't know if that, what that does to the blue collar, white collar, you know, kind of debate, but um, that is just interesting to, to see all of my contractor friends and, and kind of those, those sorts of friends are just slammed and can't keep up with it. I mean, there are winners and losers in every industry, right? Yeah. And and certainly there's a building boom right now because all the white color people are home and they want to make their homes nicer while they're sitting in them. And, you know, the price of lumber has gone through the roof. Uh, and I, you know, I, I know some people in my neighborhood who are doing, uh, having contractings done and, you know, the contractors are booking like nine months a year out now um it's it's a lot but that doesn't mean but that's not representative of every blue collar worker in the state so just to jump back into this okay and I don't know, I don't know <laughs> where, where are the okay. stats coming from <laughs> well okay so this is an article from and this is from 2011 so this is an older article, so many okay? but according <laughs> to this, 2011 that's a whole decade ago it Come is on. most it of is, Connecticut's uh, employees weren't even working back then what it said though from 2000 to 2011 Connecticut had lost 90,000 blue collar jobs, but it actually seen a slight increase in white collar jobs. So unless that trend has remarkably changed and considering, you know, we've seen GE, uh, um, Raytheon, you know, uh, all these companies that have been, you know, cutting down on their workers in Connecticut, I don't think that number has increased by 90,000. So a decade ago, we were already losing a lot of blue collar jobs. And I don't think that trend is preserved. Now, again, if you find some information that says otherwise. Chris, but I think that's that's probably uh, consistent with kind of national numbers, right? Like where you lose blue collar jobs is usually when there's like technical elements being put in, right? And so- yep they sort of become white collar jobs in some ways. Um, and we've seen that, especially Connecticut having so much manufacturing there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I, it's, it's hard for me to multitask here. Cause I, I got to make sure I'm shutting Chris up when he's saying, this <laughs> um, but I will get you that info and that data. I'm, I'm going to have to call up David Lehman and yep. be like, Hey, tell me what this breakdown is. So I can prove Chris. I, I think my point is, I don't think it's that significant of a number. Again, it really depends on where you are, right? When you're looking at this, if you break it down by towns, your, your suburbs are going to be majority white collar, but like Dave said, we're heavily segregated, right? Our cities and like people living in the cities and, and where they're working and, and the different kind of ways that plays in, um, there's a lot of impact and that might, that segregation might increase because all of that, you know, like where you're, the types of jobs you have becoming a, a work from home state that requires you to have great internet access. It requires you to have consistency and a place to be able to work from home from, right? People that are working at either minimum wage, like they might not have that, right? Like not, not, so I think, I think there's a lot of perspective to be put on this. It'd be interesting to maybe get some people from more blue collar backgrounds on, onto the podcast to say, yeah. hey, like what's going on? So, so actually we should make a podcast about this. I do think that we, so one, I'm going to cut you guys off before we go down the, these, these rabbit holes and more controversy kind of uh, uh, stirs up. And and thank you, Ojala, for keeping him in check because Dave and I just have such a hard time doing it. It's like, it's just like, just trying to, you know, slap him down. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but, but no, so I think that one of the things that we kind of like the, one of the underlying kind of things about this is that like, what, 
you know, going forward in the future, what is Kinetic going to be known for? You know, was it a manufacturing? What is it insure tech? Is it biotech? Is it, is it, is it this or that? And I think that that's kind of been the, the idea of what we're trying to do here at CT Startup is kind of uncover kind of what are the growth companies? What is kind of the industry that's going to pop up? How are people going to be able to, uh, you know, kind of live in Connecticut? A lot of the stuff that we're doing around the innovation places is like, let's make it more fun to live in Connecticut because we've all heard one uh, uh, comedy routine after another shit on Connecticut and talk about how we're a horrible place to live. And oh my God, you got to go down to the wrong people, Eric. You got to stop listening to those people. I'm, hey, I'm This is 2021. We have something, we have something called cancel culture uh, and and you are more than welcome to cancel them. (laughs) That's true. Listen, I, 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 I'm here, you know, so no, that's what I'm saying is that one of those things about, I guess, one of the always things I've heard about Connecticut is that besides the industries, whatever, we have good education here, right? People like they want to raise a family here because they get good education. They can be around, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, again, we have access to the bigger cities. So I think that that's, a, I think we, we should do a round table on this on like, you know, where's Connecticut? Where are we going to position ourselves? Because Northeast has always had a big impact on the, on the country, what we do, how we think, you know, kind of a, this is this kind of a hustle kind of a culture. And I think that the, you know, what's happening right now is that we can even kind of stand, stand apart even more. Right. Um, so I don't know, I, 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 you know, before we go down the rabbit hole of, of uh, you know, all these different articles that Chris is going to uh, drum up. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, and hundred percent, we got it. We got to get David on and uh, a couple other people. So for sure. Um so yeah, so I don't know. I'm gonna I gotta cut it off. Um, all right. Any uh, any other last thoughts? Because we're coming up onto uh, to kind of the end of this uh, this podcast, this roundtable. Luckily, we now that we have Ojala in, we can have more banter and more controversy because it always sells. I love it. Um, all about that controversy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess let's it's, let's. It's not put controversy. It- it's. It's uh, it's myth, myth busters. Yeah, um, um, you're right. Let me let me say conflict. Let me say conflict. Right? Isn't that like as we as we found out in the media this year, conflict sells. So we just got to keep it going. I'll, I'll um, just be the insult guy. I'll just yeah. throw in the occasional insult. Chris, the cat in your background is infinitely more fascinating than you are. Um, I would agree with that. There's two cats there. There's two. They're adorable. They're absolutely yeah. killing it. And they're and those cats are just quietly thinking, like, get this guy out of the house. You don't want him around. I'm just a anymore. can opener today. Yeah. That's literally, I'm just a can opener. Exactly, exactly. So let's let's kind of put on a lighter note now that everybody's uh, opening up. Uh, you know, kind of vaccines are being uh, uh, brought out to everybody. What are you all uh, kind of uh, um, interested in doing over the next uh, few weeks as, as people uh, as people kind of reopen and everything? What what are you guys excited about? Music. I just want to see live music again. That's 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 where I'm at. I also will. I, I, I'm not a, a festival guy like Chris is, but I do miss live music shows. I miss traveling. I, I miss traveling so much. I I desperately want to get on a plane and go somewhere, which I know is not environmentally responsible. But damn it, that's what I want. And uh, I, I, I've been getting out on I started the motorcycle really early this year. I began on the spring. And we got a new touring motorcycle. So I hope my wife and I can just get on that thing and go and, uh, and not come back for a while. That's pretty fair. Yeah, I, I miss travel a lot, too. I don't think it's going to happen super quick um, for me. The next, if I'm thinking the next couple of months, I'm, uh, I'm going to be moving and, and trying to get a house together. Uh, but I do plan on doing a lot of just seeing people 
outdoors, indoors, wherever they're comfortable. I know my, my team at Travelers is trying to figure out how we can all get together for like a hike or something because most of us haven't seen each other in over a year and it's just weird. Um, bring bring back the the human elements of being people and less of the robotic virtual like on a Zoom meeting and you know nonstop elements. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be nice. Yeah, I uh, I have to echo uh, all of you. I, uh, I will say is that I did travel recently. I went down to to Florida for a wedding. Um, very interesting to to be on a plane now uh, and and so forth. Actually, felt pretty comfortable, pretty safe, and that was actually before I, I got vaccinated. So that was interesting. Eric, you went to Florida during COVID for a wedding. I, I, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> He's a madman. He's a madman. <laughs> you imagine describing this to somebody from ten years ago, just saying. No, there was a bunch of us on a dance floor. We're all really close together, but we all got tested afterwards, so it's okay. I think they would completely misinterpret what you were talking about. Oh, for I don't sure. know, Dave. <laughs> for sure, I... for sure. You're like, what were you doing on that dance what are you floor? Doing? All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, Ojala, it was fantastic having you on and slapping Chris down for us, uh, yeah, like I said before. I'm, I'm and, always uh, happy to do so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully soon, uh, we'll be able to uh, connect uh, at Parkville and try some of their food and, uh, and go from there. So, uh, again, thank you guys for joining. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.